If you take nothing else away from today's episode about your New Orleans Saints, make sure you remember this. Newly signed running back Jamal Williams is not cutting any corners and is ready to absolutely ball out in the Big Easy. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdet Nation and Houdet family? Welcome into another episode of Locked On Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much as always, making Locked On Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget you can subscribe and follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so that you never miss the latest episodes. And as always, I am your host, Ross Jackson at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter. Your New Orleans Saints expert credential member of the media, senior writer and reporter for the New Orleans Saints over at Saints News Network or covering the New Orleans Saints over at Saints News Network, Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation site. Uh, you can find me, of course, every Tuesday over at Locked on NFL and here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked on Saints. And on today's episode of Locked on Saints, Dane Brugler of The Athletic did a seven round mock draft that has some hits and some misses. Should the Saints consider tight end in the first round if the, quote, right player is there? But first, Jamal Williams is ready to ball out in the Big Easy. Let me tell you a little bit about what Jamal Williams is doing to get ready for the 2023 NFL season as we get started with our, pop, 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 our three-piece for the day. Um, so Jamal Williams, one of his trainers is a uh, uh, skill specialist, Luke Neal, who posted on Twitter a quick clip of a drill or a workout that Jamal Williams is taking place in. And of course, there's a whole lot of excitement around who the New Orleans Saints are going to be in 2023. But one of the biggest question marks is like, what's going to happen with Alvin Kamara, all that. And so one of the things that the Saints did this offseason to kind of help to alleviate some of that, or at least have a plan in terms of what they're going to look like at running back, no matter what happens, is they went out and they signed. Jamal Williams. So Jamal Williams comes to New Orleans ready to go. And one of the big things that he said that he wants to do is prove people who think that they know his running style wrong. One of the things that he said is they think they know my running style. They think they know how I'm going to run the ball, but you can always change it up. So that's why I can't wait for this season. So what are some of the things that he's doing to try to change it up and to get ready for this season? Luke Neal posted uh, a video on Twitter of that workout. You could see Jamal Williams, this is not a speed drill. I've seen a lot of people write in and be like, oh, he's moving so slow and his feet are so slow and stuff like that. This, ain't, this is not a speed drill. And you don't know at what moment this video was taken. It could have been a first run through to make sure that he knew what to expect, all this other stuff. But you could see him anyway, you know, stopping on a dime, cutting, changing direction, avoiding open field tacklers, stopping, getting the mental side of the game. And that tends to be or, or, or is a good lean into what his preparation is. So I reached out, spoke a little bit with, with, with some folks around what the real sort of, um, not necessarily like what the intent of the workout is, but what's the intent of the entire off-season training? Like what is his regimen? And what I was told is that for Jamal Williams, the mental side of the game and pass catching are the two things that he's really, really focusing on so far this off season. And how is he doing that? Well, part of it is that he is 
catching a thousand passes a day. He's also doing 1500 push-ups a day, working on abs three times a day, eating seven times a day. All of that while also doing pool workouts, which include running, explosive jumps, and other water-resisted movements to help continue to build some muscle there. And then, of course, he's taken three days of the week off, which includes like massage and smoothies and all the other things to get himself taken care of. But suffice to say, Jamal Williams is cutting absolutely no corners getting ready for the 2023 NFL season. I I can't wait to see what this guy does in the black and gold. Led the NFL in rushing touchdowns last year with 17. Yes, four of them were red zone, 14 of them were red zone touchdowns. Let me introduce you to Alvin Kamara, who years ago, had, you know, what, 15, 16 rushing touchdowns, and all but one of them were also in the red zone. That's sometimes a part of how running backs work in the NFL. And when Alvin Kamara is at his best is when he's being utilized in the red zone. One could say the same thing for Jamal Williams last year. But what Jamal Williams is setting out to do is to prove that he can do more than that. So catching a thousand passes a day, he's working on his hands, he's working on becoming a, a, a better receiver. Um, one of the other things, which by the way, like we know he did in Green Bay before he went to Detroit, caught 30 and a half passes per season there with Aaron Rodgers as the, the, the sort of change of pace back, the versatile back in addition to um, Aaron Jones at the time. I want to read to you another quote here. His body of work this year, this is from Luke Neal. His body of work this year is playing the game from the mental perspective versus the physical, being able to see things quicker and adjust with smooth transitions. He's also working on past catching skills and abilities. It's going to help him even more in the open field. So that's the mental side of it is being able to see the field, being able to adjust, recognize a little bit more quickly. And we know the way that the NFL works is that every fraction of a second matters. So when you see him working on these things where he's reading defender leverage, where somebody's swinging a stick, so he has to know like which direction to cut, where to go, how to avoid, how far out is that going to come? What's my you know safe space? What's my safe zone here? Not safe space. That's not, there's no safe space on a football field. But like that's the, the stuff that he's working on. And so I love the idea of the focus on the mental side of all this as well to make sure that you're ready for that 2023 NFL season in a system that's going to ask you to do things a little bit differently than you were asked to do in Detroit. And I think that's one of the things that Jamal Williams is most excited about is being able to be a part of the New Orleans Saints system and what that means, what he gets to be involved in. More pass catching, more zone runs, more free blockers out in front of him, more tight ends blocking and leading the way, more fullbacks leading the way, things like that. Like all of that is so such a selling point for running backs. I mean, Malcolm Brown last year, when I spoke to him in training camp, one of the questions that I asked him was, did you take note of the fact that I know Malcolm Brown didn't didn't hang on and everything like that, but this is still a point here. I asked him, did you take note of the fact that the Saints still utilize fullbacks and how did that impact your decision when it came to the system and your fit within the scheme? And he mentioned that the addition or the let's say, consistent usage of fullbacks by the New Orleans Saints offense was absolutely something that he took note of. Wasn't the reason why he decided to come to New Orleans, wasn't the major decision, but it was a part of the scheme, a part of the system, and a part of the fit that he really, really liked was, I can get a blocker running out in front of me. I can get these free blockers around the perimeter, around the edge, up the middle, all that. And so you look at Jamal Williams, who Colin Saunders told me, they were joking around while they were walking around and started doing the tour 
around the team facility. And Colin Saunders was like, hey, to Jamal Williams, who was behind him during the tour, saying, hey, get used to this because I might have to come out and block for you at some point. Like, that's how much a part of this offense lead blockers are. And that's such a huge benefit to the ball carrier over on the backside of that formation. So when you think about improving the mental aspect, when you think about Jamal Williams fit in a system that supports him, his experience working with fullbacks, by the way, Green Bay, Detroit, both teams that also still use fullbacks, developing further as a pass catcher, catching a thousand passes per day. I don't know if I've caught a football a thousand times in my life. I'm just kidding. I probably have, but that might be it. (laughs) I don't know that I've caught a football multiple thousands of times throughout my lifetime. This guy's out here working out four days a week, catching a football, catching a football 4,000 times every week. That's insane. Not insane. That is impressive, right? So I love seeing this from Jamal Williams, seeing, you know, the the workouts hit the internet and the, the hype that it builds up. You see Michael Thomas out there deadlifting 500 plus pounds. Like everyone's ready. Everyone's ready in New Orleans. But in particular, keep in mind, Jamal Williams is getting it done and cutting no corners and making sure he's going to be able to be impressive in the black and gold in 2023. Coming up next, back to some NFL draft chat. This was a question from Twitter, so we'll call it a Twitter Tuesday uh, piece here. Should the Saints take tight end in the first round if the right player is there? And what if one of the defensive line crushes is also there? I'll tell you which one the New Orleans Saints should go with as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked on Saints brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the number one sportsbook in all of America. And I know you're New Orleans Saints fans, but some of y'all are some baseball fans too. Maybe we have some Astros fans, maybe some Braves fans watching. And it's good news for you that the ML season is back. Grand slams, no hitters, double plays, they're all back. And there's no better place to get in on the action, all that MLB action, over with FanDuel America's number one Sportsbook. And it's even better right now for new customers because you can step up to the plate with a no sweat first bet of up to $1,000. You can find that by going to fanduel.com slash locked on to sign up, place your first bet, and you can get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win, meaning there's no losing when it comes to your first bet over at FanDuel. And not only can you get in on the MLB, there's the NHL playoffs. The NBA playoffs are underway. Sad that the Pelicans aren't there. I hate it, but it's okay. We could still make a little bit of money on those NBA playoffs. And of course, keep an eye out for those sweet, sweet NFL draft props as well that are always a ton of fun. So don't miss your chance to get that no sweat first bet of up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel, an official partner of Major League Baseball. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Should the New Orleans Saints take tight end if the right tight end is available at the end of the first round? Appreciate you as always making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Speaking of making this your first listen of the day every day, for all you everydayers out there, here's the schedule for the rest of the week. We're going to go into a what if the Saints are lying mock draft tomorrow for our midweek mock draft. What I mean by that is that the Saints are putting a lot of their posturing. They're doing a lot of stuff out there right now that says, oh, look at these big guys in the trenches. Don't you love them? And because of that, we've we've started to lean a little bit toward the idea that they're going to go defense tackle, offensive guard, big man in the first uh, round. But what if they're lying? What if they're lying? So we'll, we'll get into that with our mock draft, our midweek mock draft. Thursday, we got a Brian Brissy, the Clemson defensive line spotlight. 
And on Friday, of course, we have In Case You Missed It and, and, and Frenzy Friday for a mock draft there. But that mock draft is going to focus on what if multiple first round quarterbacks go to NFC South rivals? How does that change the draft strategy? That's a question that we'll answer. Thanks to Charles Como, who asked that question over on the YouTube comment. So appreciate y'all, as always, for being here every single day. For all you everydayers out there, appreciate y'all and beyond. All right. So what if the right, it's an itchy nose day, y'all. I'm sorry. If you're watching on video, it just, it just is what it is. It's one of those days. I have a lot of energy. I'm talking a lot and therefore my nose itches. I don't understand the science of it. If there's somebody out there that understands science, tell me. Anyway, uh, when it comes down to the Saints at pick 29, we often look at defensive tackle, sometimes offensive guard Osiris Torrance, the big offensive lineman out of Florida who hasn't allowed a sack in his career, which is pretty insane All right, in his collegiate career, maybe in high school. I don't know. Uh, but one of the positions that we don't often talk about for them in the first round is tight end, although there is a very, very talented tight end group or class this year, perhaps the most talented tight end class that we've ever seen. Uh, Notre Dame's Michael Mayer right at the top of that, along with like Utah's Dalton Kincaid, Oregon State's Luke Musgrave, Sam Laporta out of Iowa, Darnell Washington, one of my favorites out of Georgia, and beyond. I even mentioned a guy all the way down in the fourth, fifth round that we've we've talked about a bunch, like Davis Allen, who's got a 91.9 career contested catch percentage at Clemson, which is just stupid numbers. Uh, 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 Jake Schoonmaker, who we took in last in, in yesterday's mock draft Monday, the perfect mock draft, if I may say so myself. If you missed that, make sure you go back and check it out. So what if the Saints are on the clock at 29 and the right quote unquote tight end is there? So I want to I want to show you this question here that came from uh, somebody that hit me up over on Twitter. This is coming from, uh, is it Z- <laughs> Zombie Bob? It's Zombie Bob at SMC two of three on Twitter. It's pretty dope. Rhymes. Um, oh, let me get rid of this. That's weird. Um, asked on Twitter. My question is, what if the tight ends falls to 29? Kincaid or Mayer? So that's the Utah tight end or the Notre Dame tight end. Is there at 29? But also, Mozzie Smith. Do the Saints go BPA? or Smith as the safe pick. I'll hang up and listen. Love that. Uh, first of all, big thank you for your question here, Zombie Bob. Um, the funny thing for me is that like, I look at those names, I see Michael Mayer, tight end out of Notre Dame. I see Dalton Kincaid, tight end out of Utah. I see Mozzie Smith, defensive lineman out of Michigan. And in my brain, you could tell me I'm stupid for this. I don't mind. And my brain, best player available that makes sense is Mozzie Smith. Now, Dalton Kincaid's really close. I think I like Dalton Kincaid more than I like Michael Mayer, but hey, I like them both uh, because again, this tight end class is just stupid good. I think that if that's the case and all three of those players are there, and let's go a step further. Let's say that Felix Enyudike Uzama, let's say that um, uh, Adetamiwa Adabare is there. Let's say that Jameer Gibbs, the running back out of Alabama is there. I still go Mozzie Smith. It just still makes so much freaking sense to me to go with Mozzie Smith. It's, it's exactly what you need. And I know that tight end can help you, but tight end's probably not going to help you in 2023. It's going to help you in 2024, 2025. And I understand that as a team building concept of looking two, three years in advance. It's effectively what you have to do with every draft prospect in the NFL draft. But because tight end is so hard to translate from college to the NFL, especially for big time pass catchers like Mayer and uh, Kincaid. I'll give Michael Mayer an 
edge because he played a Notre Dame system, which means that they asked him to block a lot. But what does that mean for translating his route running to the NFL? How impactful can he actually be in 2023? That's why I always shy away from tight end in the first round. The three positions I shy away from most in the first round are running back and off-ball linebacker because the value is just not there in the first round, that second round stuff. And maybe B. John Robinson is the, is the exclusion to that. He'll probably go first round this year. Um, and tight end because the time it takes to translate to the NFL game is usually multiple years. What the New Orleans Saints have shown you this entire offseason so far by going out and getting Derek Carr, by bringing back Michael Thomas, by you know bringing in three players that Derek Carr is familiar with in Jonathan Abram, in uh, uh, Brian Edwards, and then in making the attempt with Foster Moreau until the Hodgkin's lymphoma diagnosis was there. We'll see what happens in terms of their future together. If I'm the Saints, though, I'm waiting until after the draft to do that so that I don't end up costing myself a compensatory selection for a player that you might not see in 2023, which is okay. I'll wait until after the draft so that the compensatory sort of period is over with. That's the that's the big brain move. That's the galaxy brain move. We'll see what happens there. But with all of those moves, what they're telling you is that they intend to compete and they intend to win in 2023. So when you look at the first round selection for the New Orleans Saints, if you're not trading back and adding more picks, and I know the Saints haven't traded back since 2007, I know I cover this team. Um, and, and I'm just saying, like if you're not using that pick to move back and adding more picks in the real sweet spot of the draft, which is the second and third rounds, then stick and pick at 29 at the position that you absolutely need improvement at right away and that you need a player that's going to immediately improve. You can't be making two-year-later, three-year-later selections in the first round when you have somebody that can come in and immediately impact your team in a positive way week one of 2023. And that's what I believe Mozzie Smith is. So that's why for me, if I'm the New Orleans Saints and Dalton Kincaid is there, Michael Mayer is there, the two tight ends, Utah, Notre Dame respectively, and then Mozzie Smith out of Michigan, the defensive lineman is there. I'm taking Mozzie Smith out of Michigan 27 times out of four. Like I am always doing, oh wait, no. I'm taking Mozzie Smith 28 times out of three. There you go. That's for you. So that's the way that I look at it. Like I, I love the tight ends. I, I love this class of tight ends. I love those players and what they're going to bring to the NFL in a couple of years. But if I get Mozzie Smith at 29 and then I turn around and get Darnell Washington at 40, I'm stoked. If I get Darnell, if I get Mozzie Smith at 29 and I get I don't know, Sam Laporta at 40 or Sam Laporta at 71, I'm stoked. You know what I mean? Sam Laporta is probably going to be a top 50 guy, but you get the idea. Like I can get tight end later, defensive tackle. I want the guy that's going to impact right now. That's the way I look at it. Great question. Fantastic question. Y'all are coming with the heat this offseason. I absolutely love it. Coming up next, Dane Brugler came with some heat, but then he also came with some not so heat heat. What not so hot heat, not heat. Came with some cold. I don't know how to say it. But anyway, he went through a seven-round mock draft. First three picks are absolute fire. Absolute fire. So we're going to take a look at those and how great that haul would be for the New Orleans Saints to start the draft. And then we'll kind of critique the end of the draft and then look at where the Saints could have gone instead to impact themselves more positively in 2023 and beyond. Got that coming up for you as we continue on a wrap of today's episode of Locked on Saints. Put a lot on podcast network, your team, every day. Let's get it. Who that nation wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints with Dane Brugler's seven round mock draft that has some big time hits 
but it's got mad misses as well. So let's fix this mock, but take a look at the top three, really top five selections, if I'm being honest, that are pretty solid. Appreciate you as always making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. If you want my next mock draft, we're going to do a why are the Saints, what if the Saints are lying mock draft tomorrow? Smokescreen season, it's lying season, it's deception season. Are the Saints deceiving us by all this information we're seeing about, oh, we want the big guys, we want the big guys. Maybe they don't. So we'll, we'll dig into that tomorrow. But let's start off with um, Dane Brewer's mock draft here. And, and this is with no trades, but he did, he did you know, every pick across the NFL for the entire mock draft, which is something I, I, I dream of doing someday, but will not be doing anytime soon. <laughs> um, pick 29, first round, Mozzie Smith, defensive tackle out of Michigan. Okay, we're seeing it more and more again. I want you to focus on these three top selections. Round two, pick 40, Jalen Hyatt, the wide receiver out of Tennessee. That's a good one. Pick 71, Isaiah Foskey, the edge rusher out of New Orleans. Let's stick here for a second. Mozzie Smith, Jalen Hyatt, Isaiah Foskey. Yes, yes, and yes for me on this one. I like Cedric Tillman a little bit more than I like Jalen Hyatt for what the New Orleans Saints need. Six foot three, 200 plus pounds, a lot of speed, good hands, can be a deep threat, but can also work close to a lot of scrimmage. I like all that stuff for you. But one of the other things that the New Orleans Saints could use more of is run after catch ability, run after catch threatness. Um, and I don't feel like they necessarily have that. So you can't have too much speed on an offense. There's absolutely no doubt about that. And I think that one of the biggest criticisms that my perfect mock draft yesterday uh, had <laughs> was that I didn't take a wide receiver and that wide receiver depth is not solidified in New Orleans. And I agree with that. I tend to look at the need around pass catcher. So if I can get a tight end or a wide receiver, I'm usually happy. I don't usually take both in mock drafts, not actual like predictive mock drafts. So when it comes to Jalen Hyatt, the thing that I think of is speed. And I love speed. I also think Tennessee Volunteers, the Saints love Tennessee Volunteers. So there's obviously a connection there. But I wouldn't mind if that was Cedric Tillman. But even still, getting that player at that spot would be absolutely fantastic. Like there's a lot of conversation around Jalen Hyatt potentially being a first round selection, getting him at 40, massive value. Isaiah Foskey, the edge rusher out of Notre Dame, we spoke about him yesterday, six foot six, six foot five, 265 pounds will probably bulk up to the 270, 280 range and once he gets into the league. That's huge for me. And, and I love, the, you know, I traded up in yesterday's draft for this in, 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 in trading a future second in order to get up to the bottom of the second round this year, which I didn't mind doing looking at, you know, some of the other things. I got a third round in, in return, for instance. Um, a third round for next year in return. So if I don't have to give up a future second and I still walk away with Isaiah Foskey by sticking and picking at 71, I'm stoked because Isaiah Foskey is one of those guys that has a little bit more of a pass rushing repertoire, is really good with his pre-snap plan, is a good edge defender as being an edge rusher, but also a good run stopper and setting the edge in the run game. He just needs to develop a little bit more in terms of that repertoire, build some more counter moves, things like that, some things that a guy like Cam Jordan could help him with. So. He he effectively represents what the New Orleans Saints have tried with Marcus Davenport and with Peyton Turner that hasn't necessarily panned out so far. Marcus Davenport won't pan out. He's in Minnesota now. We'll see what happens with Peyton Turner. But instead of it being first round value or in Marcus Davenport's case, two first round picks worth of value when Lamar Jackson was on the board, 
Isaiah Foskey would be a third round selection. There's room there for that to work or not to work. I'm, I'll remind you that Saints third round sections in, uh, selections in the past include guys like Zach Bond, who has been a core special teamer and good depth for the New Orleans Saints and pretty good when put in positions where he gets to rush the passer and play that strong side linebacker position. So you could grab a guy like Isaiah Foskey in the third round and profit and dub, like all that. Eating a W. Round four, pick 115, Dwayne McBride, the running back out of UAB. Doesn't give you a lot in the pass catching game, but can give you a little bit as a pass protector and is a solid runner in between the tackles. Saints uh, did a top 30 visit with him, so clearly like there's some interest in him or around him. Uh, the next pick I really liked, actually, and it's a guy I've never talked about on the show before, Eastern Michigan guard. This is round five, pick 146. Eastern Michigan guard, City So. City So. Here's what I like about City So. S-I-D-Y-S-O-W. thing that I like about him is that he's massively overlooked. And there's a little nugget here from Dane in, 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 in the, the mock draft. For a team looking for guard depth in the middle rounds, a little nugget. So would be the player that I target. And here's the other piece here. I, I'll bet on the Canadian natives' play strength movement skills as fundamental traits for the next level. Canadian player, small school, hyper-athletic, 9.72 relative athletic score. Ding, 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 ding. We have a New Orleans Saints mid-round pick. City So, get to know the name. 6'4", 324 pounds, has played some snaps at tackle, 587 of them things. But 3,033 of them things, all that left guard. So a guy that's probably not going to start for you in 2023. He's probably not going to compete with Andrus Pete. But if Andrus Pete gets hurt in 2023 and you want a guy that has all the traits that you love, good strength, hyper-athletic, small school out of Canada, he's a really, really good pick. I actually kind of like that one. Now we're going to get to the guys that don't make as much sense. Round five, pick 165. Payne Durham, the tight end out of Purdue. If I'm given the option here in round five, I'm going Davis Allen at tight end out of Clemson. Uh, 6.58 RAS score, not incredibly athletic when it comes to Durham Payne out of Purdue, uh, but he is a good blocker. 762 career run blocking snaps, run blocking snaps in, uh, in you know, over the course of his career. But how much of an, how, how, you know, you look at like how much is he an improvement of what's else, what else is on the roster? If he's not giving you the pass catching situation there, then uh, I, I don't really see it. So that's why I like a guy like Davis Allen instead at, at, at that round five. And then maybe a guy like Tucker Craft falls that far or something like that. You know what I mean? Round seven, first selection here, not to be too picky, Mike Morris. Um, just like, Tough to really figure out who this guy is, but the one thing that I'll tell you for sure, 4.78 RAS score, not very athletic at all. He's also, you know, 33 and a half inch arms, not super long. So not a lot to work with there. Six foot five, 275 pounds though. So he checks those boxes at least uh, over at defensive end. So that one I'm looking at like 227 and I'm going, okay, well, you've got Isaiah Foskey. So instead of doubling up at the edge rusher spot, maybe instead do... um you know, you could grab the fullback, uh, uh, Hunter Lipke out of, uh, out of North Dakota State University. My favorite selection here, Sacramento State safety that you can move to linebacker, uh, Marte, uh, Marty Mapu. I, I like that one a lot. So there's just other routes that you can go here that might fit the New Orleans Saints a little bit better. And then finally, actually, I don't mind this one. Pick 257, Isaiah Land 
the uh, HBCU prospect out of Florida A&M, just premier edge rusher that also showed you a whole bunch in terms of what he can do. A little bit more in coverage as well during his time uh, at the Senior Bowl. 28 and a half sacks, 30 games played. FCS competition, I get it. But I mean, if you're drafting a guy at 257, three picks before the end of the draft or whatever, getting a guy with 28 and a half sacks, nearly a sack per game over the course of his collegiate career, not a bad way to go about it. So not actually super mad at this. I mean, really, like it's just Payne Durham and and Mike Morris that I'm like, eh, you could do a little bit better there. But when you look at the the other selections, Mozzie Smith, Jalen Hyde, Isaiah Foskey, Dwayne McBride, City So, and Isaiah Land, I, I, I'm all about uh, this mock draft, if I'm being honest. So pretty good stuff, especially that leadoff five there. Almost as good as my mock draft from yesterday that I'm just going to keep hyping. All right. Speaking of mock drafts, make sure you come back tomorrow. We have our What If The Saints Are Lying mock draft. They keep saying it. They are posting on their Twitter accounts at Saints. Look at all these big guys. Cody Mauk, Felix N.U.D.K. Uzama, Mozzie Smith, Brian Brissy, all of them. They're putting them all up on there. Lucas Van Ness. Jordan Reed over at ESPN Plus is like posting stuff saying, hey, the Saints, they want to address the big guys in the first and second round. Now, the New Orleans Saints have been really good at keeping things under wraps over the last couple of off seasons. Why would that change all of a sudden? Could the New Orleans Saints be lying? Brian Winhurst, what does it all mean? What does it mean? We're going to break it all down in tomorrow's episode for our midweek mock draft. And we also got our uh, midweek fundamentals as well. We'll talk about some undrafted free agent contracts, how they're scaled, why some players like to be undrafted free agents as opposed to seventh round picks, all of that. We'll break it all down in tomorrow's episode of Locked on Saints. Appreciate you as always making me your first listen of the day every day. And of course, for making Locked on Saints a part of your day and a part of your routine for saying yes to me and the show. And as always, if you see me, say hi. Big shout out to Brian. Thanks for saying hi when you saw me earlier last week. Appreciate y'all as always for taking the time to do that. If you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how your mom and them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.